That is one oversized mug. Yeah. It is literally the size of your face. Mm, it's great. In the beginning of the history of experimental observation or any other kind of observation on scientific things, it's intuition. It's intuition. Which is really based on just experience with everyday objects that suggest reasonable explanations for things. Welcome to Two Shrinks Pod. My name's Hunter Mulcair. And I'm Amy Donaldson. And this is a podcast all about psychology. This is our second episode on coping with COVID. If you're not listening to our first episode, this is just going to be a continuation of that one. We are going to talk through a range of different topics and questions that we have come up for us in talking to people, and I guess also in our own personal lives, during this unusual and unprecedented time. We hope that you guys out there are all doing well, or as well as can be, and we're hoping that this episode will hopefully be helpful for you, or potentially for someone else to listen to in dealing with what's going on or maybe just make you feel normal, that kind of stuff. We are planning on doing a couple of follow-up shows to this where we talk about issues that people with particular mental health problems like such as OCD or trauma and things like that. And then also we can do another episode on healthcare workers and basically for some of the specific issues that healthcare workers are coming up coming up against and dealing with on their day-to-day on the front lines of this strange and very unusual situation that I think is going to last for a really, really long time. Mm. If you've got any questions or things that you think we've missed or you think that we should add in, twoshrinkspod at gmail.com or on Twitter at twoshrinkspod. You can check out our website. Amy has compiled a list of resources and things that she is going to put up on the website so that you can check out. So if you are looking for... You know, amongst the myriad of other things out there, but some Two Shrinks Pod curated information for you there. So this is not going to be, just a little disclaimer, this is not going to be the definitive last word on how to cope with this situation. That would be impossible. And if you are struggling with your mental health or you're finding that things are becoming difficult at the moment, then we really, really strongly encourage you to seek out help either from your friends, family, or professionals from uh, your doctor or if you are seeing a psychologist, see one. Lots of psychologists now in Australia and also overseas who are doing telehealth and or doing contact over the phone to keep everyone safe at this time. So, you know, I think mental health, everyone's been focused on the physical health as they should be, but I think there's a growing recognition that the mental health side of this situation is pretty, pretty big deal. Mm. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that across the board, people have been struggling, both people who have had mental health conditions before and those who haven't. It's also placing more stress socially and on all sorts of things like family violence and difficulties at home and things Mm. like that. So I think in the coming months, there'll be far more need for mental health support for a whole bunch of people and I hope people don't hesitate to access that support. Yeah, yeah, and we hope that this is... Just, you know, one small piece of the puzzle that will help people. I think, realistically, there's been a a dawning realisation. I don't really think it's hit a lot of people, actually, that this is a situation that is not going to be over anytime soon. Mm. And I think think people are in a period of adjustment. Psychologists, we talk about adjustment all the time. Yeah, I think, you know, people talk about, like, reopening economies and things like that. And I think that's a, a process of bit of denial and a bit of which is natural for some people but this is probably going to be for the long haul which is a bit depressing mm. to start on isn't it sorry it is way to bring the mood down come on uh, let's just talk it's about the global pandemic uh, blah 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 yeah, exactly it's an upbeat global pandemic episode <laughs> good good so shall we get to it yeah sure so amy's gonna ask uh amy's gonna ask me a question i'm gonna respond to it and then we're gonna go backwards and forwards in that way and then we, yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to finish off at the end like we always do with uh, things we came across, sort of a little bit of a lighthearted segment. So stick with us. Hopefully it's going to be useful. Ask away. All right. So I think one of the things that both of us have been struggling with and other people have been struggling with as well is about the volume of information. There's a lot coming through social media, news, even TV, billboards, bus stops, you drive past and there's stuff about COVID. It's everywhere. Mm. What's the way to deal with the amount of information? Yeah, that is 
That is difficult. Uh, let me think about it. So let me break it down. So, you know, psychologists, we like to break things down. It sounds a bit boring. Uh, we don't ever have a straight answer for anything. Or if we do have a straight answer, it's an annoying straight answer. <laughs> that's, that's the beauty about being a psychologist. I think the reading, let's start with the news and that kind of stuff. I think it's really worthwhile thinking about how much you're exposing yourself to and how much you need to be doing it. I I remember doing a subject on addictions and mm. talking about it was public health and addictions and was talking about smoking and if you have a cigarette within the first half an hour or if you do something in the first half an hour you're probably addicted <laughs> to right. something. And I always think like about of waking up. Yeah, of waking up. And I always think about that as I check Twitter <laughs> in the first <laughs> half an hour. Um, when you haven't even opened your eyes yet. Yeah, that kind of thing. So I think it's worthwhile thinking about how much you are consuming and being a bit, allowing yourself to kind of lose yourself in it a little bit, but then also monitoring it across the day. It's like, do I need to be looking at this now? Mm. And how much do I need to be reading? Because there's some really great journalism and really yeah. great interesting stories. Also thinking about like what's relevant. So like for us in Australia, the situation is not as dire as elsewhere. And so you can kind of get caught in reading things about elsewhere. And I always wonder about how helpful that is. Mm. I don't have a good answer for that. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of news. And I think managing screen time, mm. <laughs> like, you know, I know we're adults, but we're really, we're toddlers. So the best hunter's hot tip, we should have a little sound effect for that, is when you go to bed, your phone should be in another room. Mm. Is probably what, what you should do. No screens in the bedroom. What, what's I think your... it's, a, it's a bit about working out when you're particularly prone to doing that mindless scrolling and stuff like that. So, and then setting limits around that. So for some people, it'll be first thing in the morning. Other people it'll be, you know, late at night or some people it's all day. For me, for example, I've put a rule that I won't go on any social media or look at any news or anything like that after 8.30 at night because yeah, okay. the times when I get caught and end up spending way too long doing that and switching between apps and things like that is at night time. Yeah. So probably it's a little bit about that. I think also it's tricky with kids, there's a lot of people who have been asking about screen time and about what's normal. Some people are doing what their usual household rules are. Some people aren't because they're wanting to be on their phones and stuff too and their kids are old enough to say, if I can't have my iPad, yeah. why can you have yours? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of working out new rules, I think. Yeah, but, but I think it's tricky. Like if you've got children, the only clear time you get is when they get to bed. So. Yeah it's quite relieving to be able to just switch off and exactly. mind numb and then kind of look at that stuff. But like, I think what you say is like a rule, not a hard and fast one that I stick to, no. but all right, I'm going to look at this for about half an hour. Yeah. You know, um, I often have to set so. myself a timer these days. Yep. Normally I wouldn't have to, but yep. I've either set a timer or it's been something like, okay, I can check it while that thing's in the oven. And when the timer goes off for the, you know, Focus whatever I'm months. cooking in the <laughs> oven, then that means yeah. I shut it. So, I mean, your question was like about the volume of information is a lot, being overwhelmed. Yeah. And then also like the volume of like information actually can be quite limited and that can be mm. kind of a bit overwhelming as well. So because yeah, you often have to search a lot to find the information that you're after because yeah. things aren't communicated clearly. I think particularly in Australia, we've had an issue with that around messaging about what you're supposed to do mm. in those early days in particular you'd hear that there'd been a new restriction or something put out but then you'd have to read quite a few articles before you'd find the detail of what that restriction yeah. actually meant and, and that's happened multiple times i yeah. mean and i guess look it's a fast moving dynamic situation but also like what the hell yeah <laughs> there, there was an announcement about schools and there was nothing i could find for i reckon about six six hours of actually what that actually meant in terms of the coming school term. And yeah, that was that was immensely infuriating. So, I mean, I think there's a level at which you need to, I, I think dealing with information coming in, thinking about like how much you actually want to expose yourself to it or how long are you going to search for something before you give up yeah. um, and kind of doing that. With patients in the hospital, everyone talks about Dr. Google this is a common thing where people will Google stuff. I've got this problem, blah, 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 blah. Now, that can be quite useful. Yeah. 
I've just started taking antibiotic. Oh, I, I've got this symptom. Is that a common symptom? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, good. You know, that's kind of useful. Yeah. But searching searching every single side effect that you possibly could have before you've had any side effects mm. and the history of the drug company and whether they've had any product recalls and things like that. Yeah. You know. That's where it branches into yeah. that. Yeah. And, and that's, not, that's not a made-up example. Yeah. So, translating that to this kind of current situation. Yeah. Like, what am I doing here? Is this yeah. helpful or not? Um, yeah. And then, and then, okay, well, if you're not getting the information you need, develop a plan. So, yeah. I mean, it sounds a bit boring, doesn't it? But I think this is about realizing that it's a bit overwhelming. Yeah, uh, and like, that it's normal to be overwhelmed by it. Yeah. What about socially? Have you been? Uh, yeah. How you been dealing with like the volume of contact? It's interesting because, like, I've got increased contact from people I wouldn't normally have contact with. Okay. Yeah. Or people you know that I would see once or twice a year at particular people's events or whatever, but that we wouldn't have regular contact. I'm hearing more from those people. I'm hearing more from people in general. And it's interesting. I think it's people are feeling disconnected and so they're trying to make up for that or trying to find that connection elsewhere. What I find interesting is that I'm quite an introverted person and so my patience for that fluctuates a lot. Yeah. Different times when... I'm up for that, but also I'm far more one of those people who likes to have close relationships with a handful of people rather than surface ones with lots of people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's I think, quite challenging having all sorts of people come out of the woodwork who, you know, old colleagues, old friends, whatever, wanting to check in that things are, things are okay when I'm actually quite an introverted person mm. and get quite overwhelmed pretty easily by lots of contact even something like you know your birthday or something where you hear from more people i find that quite overwhelming of going there's too many people (laughs) so yeah i think it's just it's interesting so that's a kind of like i guess the 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 dimension there is like character logical the way in which you deal with people right so introvert versus extrovert whether you draw your energy more from other people which is extrovert versus drawing more internally which is introvert i think it's also plays into how you respond to stress so some people will approach others in times of stress and some people will withdraw and I think that's playing out a lot in individual households but then between people as well Mm. that same in the last episode we spoke a bit about that approach withdraw and how much space you need I think that's playing out a lot with a lot of different people yeah it's interesting whereas like I think as you were talking the way I was thinking about it that people with families would talk about and that my personal experience of it has been that I'm getting people calling and wanting to be social which is great Mm. but like the shit going on in the house and I'm like I really I'm not in the mental space to deal well the children are a bit ratty yeah and it's not a great time and I actually have been noticing far more calls to me during work time from friends and family and that's probably the equivalent of going this isn't a time when people would normally yeah. call because they know I'm working. But, yeah, the phone's ringing all the time. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's one of those things, if you call me in particular periods, are you not going to get a good conversation from me? But yeah. then also, like, I'm feeling bad. Like, often I would screen calls, whereas now at the moment I don't feel it's appropriate to screen because yeah. you're, like, you're at home. <laughs> yeah. 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 We all know that you're at home. Yeah. <laughs> There's no kind of, like, I was just down at the shops and I was just doing this thing. I wasn't just playing a computer game. Anyway, so, <laughs> hypothetically. Hypothetically. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think that that's sort of fascinating. So, there's that personality dimension, there's that, so, which is a trait versus mm. a state, which is probably a bit more what I was talking about. The stress kind of Yeah, just being more. overwhelmed and being, you know, am I in the right frame of mind and what i think is interesting is like sometimes i answer the phone thinking oh god that's not going to be used like it's not going to be good and they say oh that was actually really good (laughs) and i think what i've found interesting is being that i'm like i'm coping fine socially right but then when i do see someone it's like moisturizer on sunburn it's just like (laughs) you know you're like yeah 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 you know like blah 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 blah, yeah that kind of thing so it's it is I think it's interesting where your internal experience doesn't necessarily match, doesn't always, is not always that informative about where you're at. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I think that kind of gets into this next question about what does self-care look like? So, I'm sure listeners would have heard self-care during COVID, blah, 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 blah. My 
I don't know what your internal reaction to that is, but mine is like a massive eye roll. Yeah. I think it's – I'm finding it particularly irritating looking at things like Instagram and seeing the kind of perfect ways to cope and oh. going and perfect ways to look after yourself. Oh, can, you know, can, like, can, can you give me your gestalt perfect way that, that you would see on social media or something? Yeah. So, like someone who is has, you know, perfectly blow-waved – hair and makeup mm-hmm. and whatever and yeah. they're doing yoga on a beach at sunrise and everything's peaceful and and calm and I, I was i was more thinking like a white clean room and kind of tied yeah. up hair but but still quite clean and, and definitely clean clothes oh a, a bench covered in like freshly baked things a whole mm-hmm. variety of different things <laughs> yeah yeah like any of those things that just look too clean too perfect yeah yeah. really irritate me and I think the narrative around coping is interesting around this one because there's been lots of discussion about coping or about looking after yourself and it's often not practical mm. or it's the same stuff again and again mm. Mm. Um, I, I like yeah because this is like idea like is there a correct way to cope right mm. I didn't because I didn't do the right thing today or I order to do so I watch TV or I play a computer game for longer than I'm meant to, you know, or I, I'm not getting the work done or, you know, I've always wanted to be home to do all the stuff, mm. but I'm not getting it done. Yeah, exactly. There's that kind of general worry about it. And I think for me, it's often kind of stripping it back and going, okay, what are the basics that I need to do? Like mm. if I'm having a bad day or I'm stressed or whatever it might be, what are the basics that are going to make me feel like, okay, you've done something to look after yourself today? Yeah. So for me, it's stuff like opening the curtains, brushing my teeth, doing my hair, that sort of stuff that's really basic and really practical. And then also I tend to set my standards a little bit too high for what should get done in a day. I'll list several projects that I've been working on for an enormous amount of time that are all going to magically get done in the course of one day and then feel disappointed when I haven't. I was saying to someone, it's remarkable how long simple tasks actually take they take forever and i think you know when you're at work it's a bit different because you you're in this workspace and things are designed to work essentially Mm. and you can actually achieve things quickly and stuff like that whereas doing a bit of gardening or re you know oh, i'm just going to repot all these things or something geez that just took all day god blah 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 you know so whereas i mean we did a podcast on procrastination one of our early ones which is probably one of my favorite episodes, yeah. I have to say. <laughs> really good to listen to. And one of the key things is people underestimate the length of time is something difficult is going to take. So basically, like you go, oh, I'll definitely be able to achieve that difficult task quickly, right? Mm. And I think that's, I think a lot of people are experiencing that a bit at the moment. Mm. Expecting, like, oh, well, I'll be able to do, you know, write a book and exercise mm. and eat properly. And actually, all those things are actually kind of really hard. Yeah. If you're not someone that typically does all those things. And I think there's a external idea of what self-care has to look like. Yeah. Um, and for every person, it's different. Like there are particular things that are going to make some people feel better and won't help other people. So on the list of resources, I'll put up a bit of a self-care brainstorming thing. Yeah, right. Thinking about different aspects of your life and what actually makes you feel better. Because yep. sometimes I listen to people saying the stuff that they do to look after themselves. And I'm kind of like, that one's not important to me. Or that's, it's fine, but it's, it's not something that's uh, something that takes a conscious effort or something that I really need to do to look after mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, there are the things around like exercise and eating properly and getting enough sleep and all that kind of stuff, which is all really, really important. But, you know, to be honest, the things that self-care that are the most important are the idiosyncratic ones they're the ones mm-hmm. that are particular to you uh yeah. or in a particular hunter particular amy to particular to whoever right you know for me it's like uh having clean surfaces in the house that are yeah. not cluttered if i've got all those i feel calm yeah <laughs> yeah 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 doing my washing is one for me yeah right like it doesn't bother me if i have my dishes in the kitchen but they're not washed but if i have clothes in like coming out of the washing basket that mm, I should have mm. washed days ago. That really bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so those are things I'd focus on first. I mean, and then I guess the other thing about self-care I would think about is choosing one thing that you're going to focus on, on the the correct way to cope, the Instagram-y kind of, you know, I'm going to write a book and do yoga and do all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Great. Don't try and do all that at once. Do one yeah. of those things yeah. and, and, and focus on that, right? And add that in because that'll be the most effective way of doing that. So mm-hmm. for me at the moment, I'm not drinking, which mm-hmm. is really boring <laughs> in some <laughs> respects, a bit health-related, but I've been quite happy to not do that, whereas other times I'm quite happy to yeah. <laughs> have a gin, as we've discussed on this podcast before. But so, but let me tell you, like I ate a lot of chocolate today because it's Easter, yeah. so it's not like I'm a doyen of anything at all. Mm. So that kind of feeds into the other thing that we've been talking about of doing enough. There's lots of people saying I didn't get enough work done, I didn't parent the way I wanted to, I can't keep up with things, I didn't achieve what I wanted to today. Mm. How do you respond to that? Uh, okay, couple couple of things straight up. Think about your life as a job, right? <laughs> and you know, there's those days you've had a part time job, or even it might even be your current full time job, and those days when you're at your job and you just can't be effed, right? <laughs> and you, what you got to think about is what have I got to do to not get fired today, <laughs> right? Yeah, what are the bare basics? What are the bare basics? That's that's enough right now do you want to be doing that every single day probably not but uh if you're having a bad day then that's what you're going to aim for and if you're wondering whether you've done enough do that thing of having a review of what you actually did today mm. and that might be a bit confronting initially but then think about it like well was it helpful did you did you achieve things today and you need to actually be a bit more like you know actually write down what you did i think it's helpful to, I think it's helpful to have a loose list. Mm-hmm. I think lists are difficult. I don't know, what's your opinion about having a list of things to do? I think it depends on how you respond to it. So like for me, lists are great, but I always have to, after I've written a list, actually spend some time going, is that realistic? Yeah. Because my initial lists are never realistic. And then I also am a big one for procrastinating through lists. Yeah. So, like, I, I write a writing. list and then do, and then I do like five other things that are not on it. <laughs> yeah, of. mine is more like it feels like getting stuff done because it's list related, but actually it's color coding and sorting the list and rewording the list. <laughs> did you did you ever read Red Dwarf? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Rimmer would create these great color coded, painted sort of study guides. That. Yeah, that's that's what we're talking about, but in list form, <laughs> kind of like, and oh, that's not quite working. I haven't got anything done on the list, so maybe I need a new list that separates things uh, out. See, so I, d- I do mine on the computer. That's it. That's it. Like, yeah. it's like it's done. But so I need a list, but it needs to be brief. And yeah. often I'll split it into these are the couple of things that I have to do today. Yeah. And these are some ideas of what might be nice. Yeah. So I think I think lists are good at the moment because a list is good because you can. It kind of guides you. You can go off the list. That's okay. Yeah. Um, and then I think what, where it's good is get to the end of the day and kind of go, all right, cool. Did I achieve any of these things? Mm. And if I didn't, why didn't I do it? You can have that proper discussion. But like, and also parents of kids, there's been a few parents who've been saying that they've been wanting to get their kids to do more stuff around the house now that they're home all of the time. Yeah. And there's often tension about asking kids to do jobs and then them not doing them yeah um for the older kids a lot of people it works well if it's like a list of things that you have to do at some point during the day and it's kind of at different points reminding them to have you checked your list rather than empty the dishwasher empty the dishwasher empty the dishwasher <laughs> again, yeah. again if you've got younger children like thing to do is to be if you want to do x you need to do y first yeah exactly like, and then if they do do it don't go oh you also need to do z right no, don't do that you have to stick to it but uh, what I was going to say, the the final thing I wanted to say about this was, is focusing on the word loose. It needs to be mm. loose so that you're not, this hour's got to have these hundred things in it and this hour's got to have these hundred things. Where, where my mind goes, Amy, is uh, Hugh Grant in About a Boy. <laughs> yep. His units. So this, this, is, this is what I mean. 
The important thing in island living is to be your own activities director. And I find the key is to think of a day as units of time, each unit consisting of no more than 30 minutes. Full hours can be a little bit intimidating and most activities take about half an hour. Taking a bath, one unit. Watching countdown. Okay, uh... One unit. Web-based research. Two units. Exercising. Three units. Having my hair carefully disheveled. Four units. It's amazing how the day fills up. And I often wonder, to be absolutely honest, if I'd ever really have time for a job. How do people cram them in? So... I mean, that's kind of funny, but also, like, it's very real, uh, mm. you know. So, if you are struggling, just divide up into morning, morning, afternoon, evening, yeah, or, or something like that. I think the other thing is is a bit of acceptance that when you're stressed, no one gets things done in the amount of time that they normally would. No one's as productive or as focused okay. or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So. If you're stressed out, if your family's driving you crazy, you're not going to be as efficient with anything. Yeah. And so there's a bit of that thing of going, okay, that's just just the way it is. Even with work stuff, it's the same. I was talking to a friend the other day who kind of said they've been working from home for a little while now and they're accepting that one or two days a week they have a day where they just don't get anywhere near as much done as what they would. And now that they've stopped fighting that and just go having one of those days, Mm. takes the pressure off a bit. It's being, you know, caring towards yourself and going, Yeah, well, because I mean, that's tough. A, I, th- I think that's the thing is like people are living their life in a different environment. Mm-hmm. So we have these different expectations, but how many days have you gone to work and not been productive? Yeah, exactly. A lot, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and you're still tired at the end of the day. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the other self-care thing is get outside once a day. Yeah get some light that's really important if you can have a chat to somebody i think you need to chat to someone once a day you need yep. have two to three meals a day watch the caffeine watch the alcohol yeah you mean increase both right <laughs> i'm saying watch it watch it okay just no, no, d- it. yeah no, no gen- generally like yeah, yeah, like you know what create a graph <laughs> exponential increase <laughs> <laughs> no but no no i mean like you know what if you want to hit it a little bit, hit it a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. watch that, right? Yeah. Work um, out when it's not helpful. Yeah. Also, by the same time, like if you're being super, if you're struggling with, I've got to really be healthy, eat really, really properly, like is that causing you more stress or mm. not? But like also like should you really be letting yourself go and having a bad diet all the time? Sure, it's fun to wear tracksuits all the time, but... <laughs> Actually, I think, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say, I like I bought some tracksuits recently and I think I like jeans. It's, you know. mm. Anyway, yeah. I think it's because I feel like I'm a meth dealer wearing a tracksuit around the house. <laughs> so. You look like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just the final thing is I, I, I'm finding it overwhelming to keep on top of like all the emails. Oh, my mm. God. So many emails, so many, so many, so, so many areas of your life have changed and so this idea of doing enough and getting ahead and kind of making progress it's like guys we are just trying to put the fires out at the moment yeah even the amount of the increased amount of teacups in my house or of cleaning or things like that is a lot more than what it would be normally because i'm here yeah yeah i underestimate how many times i wash things when i'm at work so what you need to do is you need to get a, a carabiner you need yeah. to get pants with hoops on them, like like a belt <laughs> thing, and you have your mug attached to that carabiner so that once you finish drinking it, like preferably like some kind of metal mug, right? And then goes back on the carabiner. Yeah, that's it. And maybe like a, some kind of spork with like a hoop in it that you can put the thing and then nice. you'll cut down on your dishes exponentially. The only problem is is that I never drink the last centimeter of my tea, so that's going to be messy. Well, it's going to change. It's going to change. It hasn't in 33 years. <laughs> Uh, so this is the one that fills a lot of parents with dread (laughs) how am i going to homeschool my children yeah like straight up i don't want to or i'm not a teacher i was actually overheard someone at their preschool and and she's like how am i going to teach them i'm i'm not smart enough to do that (laughs) (laughs) that's gorgeous yeah 
Yeah, I've been having this conversation a lot lately. Uh, Before that, they were kind of like, we'll just deal with it when it comes. But now it's a reality. I read an article a little while ago that I really like and that I've been sending to people. Again, it'll go up on the web page, which is kind of explaining that you're not doing homeschooling. So homeschooling is a structured thing that you do. If you're going to actually do it properly, then usually there's a homeschooling agency and they will provide work and support and whatnot. And it's a set thing. This isn't homeschooling. This is crisis schooling. It's about covering the basics and having quite shifted expectations about what that's going to look like. And I think that a lot of people have been worried about how they're going to get their kids to focus. I was talking to a parent the other day who said that she would be thrilled if her daughter did three hours of schoolwork a day. And I kind of went, well, I'd say that's probably what she does in a school day, on a good day Um, at the moment. Let's just actually have a think about Mm. that. And her comment was that a lot of parents that she said that to have said, what? No, I'm expecting sort of five hours worth of solid work from my kids in a day. And they're in primary school. So I think it's about going well it's not realistic to expect mm. parents to teach their kids and to get them to focus realistically. And, and also, a, like, if you if you were to do get your kids to focus for five hours, which mm. is impossible, yeah. um, that means that you as a parent would have to be focusing with them for five hours. And I exactly. Think, and I think there's a lot of people who think that they should be able to multitask homeschooling and their life um, definitely uh, and i think there's probably a bit of a underestimation of just how much kids need reminding about doing schoolwork or need to be redirected when they're in a classroom it's not like even for the older ones that they're set a task and then they sit there for an hour and do it you know the teachers are often having to wrangle people redirect them from talking get them to put their phones away whatever it might be yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah it's not simple so i think One thing is about changing expectations. Another thing is that there's a lot of worry about people being behind. I think the comforting thing about it is that everybody's going to be the same amount behind. Um, No one's going to be where perhaps they normally would be at this point. But also opening things up a bit and going for primary schoolers in particular – most of what you need to learn in primary school is the social stuff and how to learn. Yeah. The content is covered reasonably quickly. It's about learning how to learn, learning how to pay attention, how to share, how to, you know, not push someone over or throw a rock at their head when you're annoyed mm. at them. You know, it's those kind of things. And you can learn those things through other things like cooking with your parent or gardening or playing games or doing craft yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I think if you're worried about your child's education, like it's about broadening the definition of education at this current time, right? Which is if you teach your kid how to put away the dishes in the kitchen, that's kind of teaching them something. Or if you're teaching them about gardening and doing stuff, teaching, teaching them a bit of music instruments or something like that, like... All of those things, but also teaching them how to play by themselves, I think, is really mm. important. That's, I mean, that's a different topic, I guess, but yeah. But yeah, it is. And I, I think there's a lot of – everyone feels pressured about it mm. and feels that there's a right way to do it or that they're going to have to take the role of the teacher. Interestingly, what a few people have said who have already looked at what the work is, what the kids have said is this is so much easier than the work that I get when I'm at school. And so what the teachers are sending home in home packs isn't actually, it's not... Saying the teachers are being lazy, is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. I reckon there'll be, I mean, all jokes aside, I reckon there'll be some parents will be like, this is not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're trying to do things that keep their skills up to date and expand it a little bit, but it's not going to be challenging stuff Mm. for the most part. Different schools will deliver it in different ways. So you might have a school where they do a fair amount of online videos or stuff like that every yeah. day. Other schools are just going to send home a pack and you'll have two weeks to do the stuff in the pack. Yeah. There's got to be a realisation that this is a this is going to be a process. It's a marathon. Yep. And so don't expect yourself to get it right straight no. away. Right. Like, and even for the ones at the end of high school, there's adjustments being made about finishing 
year 12 in Australia, so the final year of high school, and getting into university, there are adjustments made and probably the university start date will be delayed for this year's kids because they're not going to be able to cover the content that normally would prepare them for that. So, I think the systems are making adjustments. Yeah. I mean, I think some of that gets back to this idea that people are still operating on this expectation that things will go back to normal. Mm. And I don't actually think that they will and not not for an extremely long period of time. And so that's, I mean, that's awful. But then also I think that that allows a bit more flexibility around, well, you work hard and you get a really high score in year 12 and then you go to university and then you mm. blah, 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 blah. That's probably not going to happen. Like yeah. In, in, and it's probably a little way. bit about worrying that you're doing enough. It's also about how much you worry about your kids doing enough mm. as well. And that's those same things about accepting that no one functions their best when they're under stress. It's it's the same for kids. What about parents who are having to deal with kids who are worried about their schooling or worried about yeah. the kids coming up with problems that the parent doesn't know how to resolve in terms of the schooling? Like, do you mean problems in terms of emotionally or in terms of... No, educationally, like, like I don't know, I don't understand this maths or, yeah. or I've tried to explain them, but they're not doing it or I think they can do it, but they're, they're really stressing out about it. Yeah. I think it'll be a pretty big adjustment period. I also think it's worth sussing out what your child's teacher is going to do because they're all delivering things in different ways and providing different support around that. I think the other thing is is that there's been a whole bunch of websites and things that normally would be paid that are now free yeah. that are educational and that explain things a lot of teachers are doing stuff recording youtube videos and sending that mm. to kids to help talk them through different ways to do a problem yeah see the problem that i find with all that though it's overwhelming there's too, oh, yeah, there's too much, much stuff there is there yeah. is it's too difficult like just to keep on top of emails from school and work and people sort of send through things all the time on Facebook groups mm. and stuff. And you're like, seriously, like who's got the time to even get, look, that looks amazing, but I don't know, man, like I'm not. I think, I think for the concrete stuff, it comes back to deferring back to the teacher and the school yep. because probably they will send resources to you. So for the stuff that I don't know how to answer this problem, I think a lot of what their work is going to be is rather than developing, you know, as complex lesson plans and things like that, it's going to be about responding to parents. But then for the worrying side of things, it's doing the same stuff that you do for yourself and that we talked about in the last pod in particular about, you know, breaking down what the problem is, breaking down, are you worried about getting everything right or is it just, are you worried about this particular thing? What's worked for you before? What could work this time? bit of that acceptance and yeah we're having a, a rough day how can we come back at this another yeah. time and also but i also think is if it's gonna be homeschooling or schooling in a crisis situation there are some things that you can borrow from school yeah. so a start time a break time those yeah. kinds of things right and try and suss out what that was from your kids and stick to that yeah and but- also the other thing is is making sure that they have contact with their school friends during school days okay because a lot of kids are feeling quite isolated. They need the social stuff. They need to talk to them about Minecraft and whatever else. That's that's what they need to do. So allowing some some social time in there too because kids need to talk to kids. Yeah. And that'll give you a break as well because probably they'll pull back on the amount of talking just a tiny bit for a little while. Yeah. Cuz they'll be missing social contact with 20 people a day. Yeah, that's exactly right. Kids socialise with other kids far more than probably than even adults do in a lot of, you know, depending on what your job is. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly Mm. right. Okay. Next one. How about moodiness? So why am I flat? Why is everyone pissing me off? How can I change this? Well, or as I would like to think about. I think you ought to know I'm feeling very depressed. (laughs) It's a Marvin the Paranoid Android, if you don't know Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, why are you flat? Because you're not doing the things that you like to do or that things are kind of a bit shit. It also could just be that you're tired and you mm. haven't eaten properly and you haven't exercised. Those are the boring answers, which are often frustratingly the most accurate ones. But, you know, I think, I think people get flat and depressed. So being flat and down and moody 
is often about, if it's not about anxiety, which is uncertainty and lack of control, then it's about loss, feeling loss. So, and there might be feeling loss of control, but it might just be, you know, not doing what you normally do. And it might not be like, oh my God, my life has so drastically changed, blah, 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 blah. You might be kind of like, you know, my home's good and my kids are good, but I'm just not feeling very good today. I'm feeling, I'm not responding, perking up, that kind of thing. Mm. So I always think about it, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is, you know, fatigue, tiredness, food, mm. water, going to the bathroom, yeah. <laughs> like all those basic things, cover those things off. But then I think it's worthwhile thinking about, you know, is there something particular that's bothering you that you probably should do or haven't done or would like to be doing and doing that? So I know personally for me, I find doing things as a helpful thing that lifts my mood. For other people, it's going to be other things, I guess. Yeah. So, and I think, why is everyone pissing me off? That could be to do with anxiety or it can be to do with feeling flat and annoyed or it could just be that everyone's just actually being annoying. <laughs> don't, <laughs> ev- saw, don't, ever, uh, don't ever think that that's not a possibility. <laughs> I, uh, I mentioned this in the last episode about a video that was put up by Bessel van der Kolk and it's, the link will be there. But... Um, it was interesting his take on why everyone's angry, which was essentially that when we're under stress or we're feeling scared, that then we go into some survival systems. And one of them that's clustered together is fight and flight, which probably a lot of people have heard about. And at the moment, there's no option really for flight. You can't run away. You can't, you know, leave the house if your partner pisses you off. It's much harder to flight at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's not something that's doable in the same way. And so people whose coping strategies would usually be to, you know, walk the dog or whatever when they're irritated, they can't do that. And so our brain's alternative is to fight because that's in the same category of things. And so we argue or we throw things or we slam doors or whatever because it's another way of trying to cope and trying to regulate ourselves. Um, And so... It's about acknowledging that that's what it is and that that's what's going on and then doing things to regulate yourself and make the situation as best as it possibly can be, like to set you up well Mm. to be able to not go into that fight-flight zone. Yeah. I mean, I think as sort of a different theoretical model to think about, we're all grieving Mm. and, and grief is different to depression right people kind of get them mixed up and they can overlap that's for sure but what we're all grieving is we're grieving what we used to be doing and we're grieving the perceived amputation of the future Mm. right the things that i wanted to do or i'd planned to do yeah now some of you that might be earning money and keeping your kids afloat and and doing things like that but for other people who you know it might be like i recently got three abstracts accepted for a conference in Japan, which I was mm. like, I'd worked really, really hard on. Two of them are like oral presentations. One's a poster, yeah. which if you're an academic, you'll know that that's uh, those things are pretty big deal. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not a super academic. So those things were kind of pretty big deal, but it's in Japan and it's meant to be in August. Now, even if the conference is going to go ahead, which I'm doubtful it will, mm. I don't think there's any way that I'll be able to go to that. No. Um, it, because of just the complexities of travel and all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I really wanted to go to Japan. Yeah. And, and I was disappointment. Re- and I was that. really looking forward to going to this conference. And, you know, am I super upset about that? Not really. Like, I think there's some other things in my mind at the moment. But I use that personal example to sort of think about, well, you know what? That's something that I, I was looking forward to doing. Mm. And that's not going to, you know, that's not going to happen. And so I feel a bit flat about that and that's kind of okay. Mm. So the the way I think about these things, like you do actually have to feel flatness and Freud would, and I'm not a big Freud disciple or anything, but he talks about the work of grief Mm. and that the work of grief, you need to actually experience some of that pain and because that allows, allows it to move forward. And then you have like resolution, essentially. Yeah. So I think that that's a lot of what people are doing. And I think as as we adjust to it and depending what country you're in and where you are 
in that country, different phases. And so I think people, I think it's really helpful for people to think about, look, you know, this is a process of these, these things, like we're going to feel different things at different times. Kubler-Ross, you know, talked about the different phases or stages of grief or, you know, that kind of acceptance of death. And there's no clear pattern of A to B to C to D, but... I think that it's where the, that model is useful is to think about. It's like, well, you know, these are common emotions at, at different times mm. and I think we're all going to go through a process of adjusting to it, getting used to it, finding, having a honeymoon phase where we're actually doing some stuff and kind of enjoying it and then we're going to get yeah. stuck in it. And, get, and everyone's going to be at different time points yeah. with that as well. Yeah, yeah, different, diff- hitting at different like times. Like people go things through grief and things like that in different different directions and then people get stuck at particular points or yeah. jump forward a bit or whatever it might be and that's going to be the same. Mm, that can be frustrating for individuals dealing with other, someone else who's like flattened down about it versus yeah. things. So, I mean, I always come back, I don't know about you, but like I always come back to getting myself out of it it's like it's something that i have to do i mean mm. so social contact can bring me out of it but i think a lot of the times it's about going okay i'm not feeling great and getting involved in doing something and that moves it forward somehow so yeah what, what are your thoughts yeah i think it's acknowledging it and sitting with it for enough time before then trying to move so what i find personally is that i'll loop back on things if i don't do the acknowledging and sitting with it for long enough so I'll get a sense of momentum and then go, hang on a minute, why am I thinking about this again? Why am I feeling flat again? And so I think it's kind of balancing those two things. Yeah, It's actually okay to have a flat day or a flat afternoon or whatever it might be. And then going, when do I actually need to move and what's that going to look like? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like it's a rainstorm that sometimes needs to be, you need to sometimes get wet. So Yeah. So last one, social isolation, disconnection. So I guess really the question is, how do I cope? How do I feel connected with other people to combat social isolation? Especially when I, this is not me. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Especially when I, if you're someone that hates online or phone Mm. contact. Thoughts? Uh, It's a tricky one, particularly for people who are living on their own or living a distance from from people. It's particularly challenging, I think. Uh, The day-to-day kind of contact isn't there if you're living on your own. So I think I think it's tricky. I think the thing that keeps on coming into my head in this first period because we're still quite new to being shut down in Australia and certainly new to being working from home and I think the thing that's been coming into my head is why does it feel different which aspect am I actually missing? So which part of the connection is important or which bit feels a little bit off if I do it that way and how do I how do I bring that in? So I think for me, it's then been thinking about, well, there are particular people where it doesn't feel different on the phone or online. The dynamic of our relationship kind of transfers pretty pretty easily and that feels okay. And then for others, it's been trying to work out ways where when it's been allowed to see people, then seeing people and then otherwise finding things to do with people or finding ways to maintain that connection that are a little bit creative so for example playing cards with my siblings online because we often have board games or cards or whatever when we catch up Mm. things like that that recreate part of that aspect or even things having a drink with someone online but where you both actually go okay we're going to have we are both going to drink we're both going to have a glass of red wine or whatever it might be so that it has that social element to it that matches what you do otherwise Mm. i also had a brunch with a friend the other day where we both made avocado and eggs and (laughs) had breakfast together yeah yeah yeah. so yeah yeah because yeah because it's interesting like if you think about children like doing stuff with children like something that parents often do is bake a cake with a child Mm. and so you're doing an activity together and there's conversation as part of that and through yeah. that. And that sort of stimulates conversation. So what you're talking about is sort of doing a little bit of that. You know, the things that come to mind would be what I've got planned as my health is returned is to do a movie or a book club scenario mm. with somebody so that, 
you've got a starting point to talk. Yeah. So particularly if you're someone who's socially anxious or just trying to adjust to what's going on, then having a common place to start is all you mm. need, is, is the best thing. Because you can return to that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and also I think at the moment people feel like they've got less to talk about because they're not doing as much. Mm. and so. But you actually going, are doing stuff? Yeah, but I think people don't feel like they can talk about those things as much. Yeah, because of routine, right? I yeah. think the other thing is in terms of the why it's different, I think that it's worth acknowledging that there are things that we get from face-to-face contact that we don't get otherwise. Mm. So, for example, on a neurological level, if we're close to someone and we're in the same room or close physical proximity, we co-regulate on a physical level. Mm. So your heart rate sink, your breathing sinks, mm. stuff like that. And the same with touch or things like that or hugging people, that sort of thing, that all has a regulating thing. And we're very social creatures. And mm. so I think if you're on your own, it's worth acknowledging that it's actually normal not to feel the same level of connection through video or phone or whatever than what you would in person because you're not getting those things those bits are kind of missing yeah it's it's really interesting to catch up with people out the front of their house Mm. um i I saw someone today and yeah i would normally give him a hug and Mm. yeah don't do that at the moment no and yeah like that felt odd yeah and and like it's the briefest of brief contacts even things like I went for a walk with a friend last week because at the moment in Victoria you can walk, walk with one public. person. Yep. That's it. Yep. So we went to a park, but we had to walk at one and a half metres or more apart. And so even that felt pretty weird to be having a conversation at that distance walking through a park. It just it just makes me think of Dolores Umbridge in uh, Order of <laughs> exactly. the Phoenix. And she's like walking along, zapping people with their, with their wand to make sure they're two meters exactly. apart right and then you're supposed to be that distance from other people as well so there was lots of pausing in the conversation while veering off onto grass or whatever to let other mm. people pass because walking track isn't yeah. wide enough for that so there's it's stilted things are are more stilted than what they would be and i think it's okay to be sad about that or to feel off yeah um, yeah, and also like share, share in the fact that it's a bit, a bit unusual. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I I think having to have set some rules around people visiting the home yeah. and being knowing certain family members are would be quite happy to ignore advice and yeah. kind of you just have to be really comfortable with being stern around it. And yeah, my advice really would be to for listeners who struggle with that. It's like you just got to suck it up and just got to do it. Mm. And uh, you will feel better in the long term. People get used to it. Uh, But yeah, it is interesting seeing people face-to-face. I've been surprised how much FaceTime has been helpful just Mm. on the computer. Well, I mean, it makes sense in that emotionally regulating and connecting you do with the other person's facial expressions and tone and mm. stuff like that. So but I, phone isn't enough. Yeah, but I, I was... You need to see their face. Yeah. I think what'll be interesting, it'll plateau and it won't be enough. Like, yeah. So I think if you're not doing it, you should try it. But I think probably trying to do it with as many different people over the course of a week. Mm. Because I think if you're trying to do it with the same person the entire time, that'll that'll plateau. Yeah. That's not, that's not based on science. That's just based on Hunter, but yeah. that fits with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And working out which people you would usually have that more frequent contact with or working out a way to do that. Yeah. Um, of not sort of throwing things aside. There's been a few people who have said that they've missed having those more personal conversations or things like that because they don't feel like they can do that via Skype. Yeah. So they've been seeing more people, but not having the same depth. Yeah, so I think, yeah. I mean, it is an adjustment period, really. It's, just, it's all disrupted. So, yeah. um, but I think it's worthwhile trying lots of things because mm. we're going to be stuck with this for a while, guys. Yeah. And see what works. Yeah. Like this idea of like, oh, you know, in August we'll be back to normal. No. No, no country's got this under control. No. And. Which is a bit shit, really, isn't it? It is, it is really. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Let's just, I mean, let's just divert into personal for a second because we can. What about? Yeah, just the fact that it's like, what's your personal reaction to that? It's going to be ages. I find that quite hard. Yeah. I think, yeah, because my life has changed a lot 
with the things that have had to come into place. Yeah. And some of them, some of the changes I'm okay with and others are quite difficult. And I think that for my work, it's become a lot more difficult and added a lot, a lot of different facets to it as well as personally. So it's that thing of feeling like there's a lot of adjustment all over the place. Yeah, at once. At once because the people I work with are in quite risky situations. And mm. so it's their risk has increased and so then my responsibility or my responding to that has had to increase. Yeah. So I think it varies a lot depending on what your work is, what your family situation is, all of that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think for me what's been interesting is I've had a few things where I'm like, oh, my God, like I've been dealing with this fire and that fire and then I've got a few other things and it just feels like there's like a lot of moving things that you're going to have to deal with. Mm. Um, and a lot of repeated change, like even in just the – even if you just go like a work context, the way things are done are changing so quickly that then it's okay, I think I'm comfortable with this new thing and then the next day there'll be something else. It's that thing of going, this is uncertain in terms of length of time, but then also day-to-day or week-to-week. Yeah, Yeah, and I think it's very easy for people to then tune out Yeah, uh, because it's like, well, what's the fucking point in paying attention to the hundreds of emails because there'll be hundreds of emails tomorrow. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's a lifetime-defining event. Um, yeah. So, I think interesting to think about that. And that, I mean, that can be a bit overwhelming. So, mm. but yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it's still, I think my, my head is like, it sort of reminds me a bit of like when you first have a child and mm. that it's such a massive change all yeah. at once that no one was prepared for it. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like governments being prepared for it, blah, 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 no. blah. Individuals, society, like, everything. Like, like the... We're, we're all doing amazingly. The fact that there's no rioting mm. on the streets and things like that, like I think it's a testament to people's resilience. And I think people, yeah, you know, just as a, a both on behalf of Amy and I, we're both healthcare workers. Like, you know, if you're staying home, right, yep. you're doing a good job. Yeah. You know, and you should actually feel good about that, right? You're Absolutely. doing you're doing your bit for the war. Mm. Um, and I think that the wartime analogy has been overused somewhat, but I think the the idea of pitching in and doing it all together and i think people should feel pleased about that mm, and you know absolutely. if you're if you're someone that's staying home then you're helping mm. and if you're someone that's creating and you're able to work then you're also mm. really helping and if you're yeah. someone that's able to spend some money in a, in a local takeaway hey mm. man that's good you're helping yeah. so yeah. yeah i think it's it's worthwhile thinking broadly about the situation yeah definitely uh, other thoughts before we go to things we came across no, I don't think so. All right. We will be back after a break with things we appreciate more in isolation. You're in a two-string spot. But as we try to widen and make more consistent our description of what we see, as it gets wider and wider and we see a greater range of phenomena, the explanations become what we call wars instead of simple explanations. Hello, dear listeners. Once again, Hunter has foolishly left me alone by the microphone unknowing what it is that I'm recording. In this portion of the show, we like to beg you for adoration, acceptance, all of the things that our lives have been missing. So to do that today, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes or give us five stars. We also love hearing from you guys. So you can contact us on Twitter at Two Shrinks Pod, or you can send us an email, twoshrinkspod at gmail.com. And otherwise... You can visit our website, twoshrinkspod.com, and you'll find on there a whole bunch of COVID resources as well that we've been putting together. So thank you for listening. I'm going to pretend to be doing nothing while Hunter was gone, and we're going to get back to the show. See ya. So we're back. This is the more relaxed part of our podcast, if you've not listened Mm. to our podcast before. Uh, It's where we normally have a drink. I'm not drinking at the moment, so I'm just having water. What are you... I'm having an alcohol-free day. I have been making too many old fashions. (laughs) Or the right amount. I don't know. (laughs) When it was announced that things were restricting to essential services in Victoria, I assumed that bottle shops would shut. 
because... I think a lot of people did. They had like runs on bottle shops. Yeah. yeah. And so I went, well, what what drink is it that I want when I go out? Or what is it that routinely I would never make at home, but that I want when I go to a bar or something like that? Yeah. And it's often an old-fashioned. Yeah. So I bought the ingredients for an old-fashioned. So it's like bourbon and sugar and um, uh, bitters orange bitters. And orange. Oh, it's orange bitters. Ideally. Yeah. Yeah. So I have been having those quite regularly. Yeah. It's been quite nice. It made me wonder why I hadn't been doing that before <laughs> <laughs> i've just been i've just been drinking tonic straight tonic mm. or like sugar-free lemonade which is surprisingly like sugar-free stuff often tastes so weird but the sugar-free lemonade they've sort of i reckon they've nailed the recipe to be honest so oh, okay. uh yeah that's actually you, you are like I I'd, tried it. I'd be hard-pressed to taste the difference so yeah that and tea yeah yeah tea I need more tea bags. I'm down to the last two. So I need to only have two tomorrow and then I'll do the health professional shopping hour on Tuesday morning and stock up. That's it. So so what I was thinking about was uh, what what is it that we you appreciate more now you're in isolation? Are you meaning things that I can't do or things that I can do or both? So I, I baked bread recently. So like mm-hmm. I did a big shop at a, like a local wholesaler mm-hmm. and the smallest bag of flour I could get was five kilos. So. <laughs> okay, so you baked a massive loaf. No, no, I so said you didn't because I was just so like, oh, I'll um, I'll bake some bread and that'll save me a trip going out and I don't want to go mm. out because, you know, I'll get the virus. And, and like, <laughs> like, I have much more appreciation for bakers, like, <laughs> like people who bake bread. Like, I'm, like I can bake yeah. a cake, you know, and like, you know, a, an amazing cake versus an average cake is there that much difference? But like, like your average loaf of bread, yeah. like that you eat every single day of your life. Wow, the whole yeah. prove it for this amount of time, and then do this thing, and then do that thing, and then cook it. I cooked some bread. I mean, was it bread recognizable as bread? It tasted mm. like bread. How heavy was it? It was dense. Yeah, yeah, it was like <laughs> half an hour to get through a piece of toast. Uh, look, it was solid. Uh, yeah, and it was good. It was good to have some soup. To, uh, I did feel like it was one of those homemade Instagram things. I, you know, I did some great Instagram photographs of my homemade pumpkin soup and homemade bread. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd had a really shitty morning that morning, so I was really pleased that it came off. <laughs> uh, so, things that you appreciate more. So, for you, I think I'm appreciating it's it's little things like cafes, sitting in a cafe. Yep, it's often something that. I go to cafes with friends, but then also if there's something in particular that I'm needing to work on or something where I'm needing a little bit of mental space or whatever, I'll often go and have a coffee and just sit in a cafe and think on my own. Yeah. And so I think cafes is something that I'm missing. I find the general kind of clatter and background noise and people talking and whatever quite soothing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm missing that and really, yeah, appreciating that. I think in terms of the positive thing, I'm appreciating working from home in a practical sense of not having to get up an extra half an hour (laughs) to drive. (laughs) And sometimes even less than that. Like the other day I rolled out of bed 10 minutes before I was due to start work and I literally just, you know, brushed my teeth and my hair and put work clothes on on the top half, kept pyjama bottoms on, and I had phone calls for the day. There was no videos. Does, was any, does anyone from your work listen to this party? <laughs> yeah, they know that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but what was interesting to me was that I was so much more productive because I was so comfortable. Yeah, right. Like sort of, I, I think the working from home thing has some nice things about it that I've appreciated, like being able to cook myself a hot lunch using the stove rather than yeah. having to have something that's microwavable or goes in a toasty maker. Like it's nice to have some variety. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to think about things you enjoy. I think the times I've gone for a drive. Mm. Um, oh, driving. Yeah. Like yes. I really, really enjoying just driving through the streets and it's so interesting driving around where there's no traffic. It's so mm. interesting. So I find that. And I, I, I do, I'm really enjoying, you know, I live in the inner city it's very dense population-wise and mm. very diverse population. So, it's it can be a bit unfriendly. Yeah. And I think there's, there's a different vibe 
when you see people on the street now and yeah. there's an appreciation of, hey, they're doing, you know, mm. I think there's there's a bit more of that. So, and I think there's this that neurobiological thing you were talking about, like it's actually pleasing on a intrinsic level mm. to see another human. Yeah. So I think it's kind of quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. My cat is appreciating me being at home. <laughs> <my cat. laughs> She's appreciating that she can demand lunch every time I stand up. It must be lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's a whole lot of things. I'm very disappointed that she's not featured meowing on this podcast tonight. She has slept for the entire time. She woke up for five minutes to groom her belly in the break, but that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, we're going to leave it on that note. Thanks for listening to Two Shrinks Pod. If you have some thoughts, questions, ideas that you would like us to cover, please let us know. We are also going to do, in addition to the mental health and the healthcare workers one, we will do some lighthearted, different topics to get our heads off COVID and get your heads off COVID because I think that's important at this time. So you've got ideas, twoshringspod at gmail.com. Please rate, review the show. Tell someone about the show if you like it or link it to your social media, that kind of thing because it really helps and I guess I, Amy and I really enjoy doing this podcast yeah we will catch you next time thanks bye